Welcome to Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled The Day of Atonement and the Cross of Christ from Leviticus chapter 16. Arguably the greatest of all the Jewish feasts and holidays is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Every year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice and pour it onto the mercy seat, providing atonement for himself, the temple, and all the people. But there is far more to that day than that simplistic explanation. Let's explore it deeper that we may see the Day of Atonement through the eyes of the cross of Christ. Here's Pastor Tim. In just over a month from now, our Jewish friends are going to celebrate and observe Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Of all of the Jewish holidays and feasts that God established to picture for them the coming of Messiah, the Day of Atonement is arguably the most important of all of them. The Day of Atonement, the word atonement literally means to cover. As a covering in construction, they would use that term to mean to cover with pitch, as in trying to uh, waterproof um, a roof, maybe. In fact, it's the same word that's used when the Bible says that Noah covered the ark with pitch. He made atonement in that ark. We understand covering. We understand what it means, and we understand that we like it and yearn for it. Even in our depraved condition, in our hearts that are wicked and corrupt and beyond our own knowledge, we do seek covering. That's why we tend to take things on our own and we say that it's a cover-up. We try to cover up our sins and our mistakes and try to cover up our tracks. A, a, A bandit puts on a mask that he might cover his Face. We look for all sorts of ways simply to cover our tracks, if you will. When Adam and Eve were first uh, made known of their sin, and it became known to them what they had done, the Bible says that their eyes were opened. What did they do? They sought covering, didn't they? But not the covering that God offered to them, they sought their own. They continued to, to, to look to their own understanding what they thought would be best. How can we cover this up? You know, for Adam and Eve, every time that they saw the fig leaves would have been a reminder to them of their sin. The person whose conscience has not yet been seared with a hot iron will look at those means of cover-up and just simply be reminded of their own failures. When God covers something, He doesn't cover it that way. He doesn't cover it with reminders. He covers it for forever. Uh, A lady was telling me just this week that she had to fire an employee. And this particular employee had been caught on video stealing. And so she said, I... I want to give you a chance to explain what I've seen on video. And the lady just said, nope. She said, what? Wait, that's not the answer. Not no. She's, so, so she began to describe what this employee had done. And at the end of saying, I saw you, 
take it. I saw you put it on. I saw you tear off the tags. I saw you throw away the tags. I saw all of this. The lady simply said, nope. (laughs) Nope, it's not me. We may deny it. We may try to defend it. But the reality is, is that we need the covering that God offers. For Adam and Eve, what did God do for them? He shed them of their fig leaves, shed them of their own type of cover-up, and gave the first blood sacrifice. Sacrificed an animal, and gave them the clothing that they would use really for the rest of their life. The covering that you have for your sin will last you not only for the rest of your life, but for all of eternity. In Leviticus chapter number 16, the Bible gives us one of the greatest pictures of atonement. It's a picture that maybe you don't expect to find in the Old Testament because it has such New Testament implications. When I begin to read through the things here in Leviticus 16, it feels like I'm reading one of the Gospels. It's easy to be able to make the connection with what God is trying to picture for them and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. An atonement that does not have to be repeated year after year after year, but an atonement that is accomplished once and for all, and for anybody who wants a part of it. Now Leviticus chapter 16 introduces to us the subject of the Day of Atonement. It gives us some instructions about how they are to go about it. There are are multiple animals, multiple people that are involved in this particular day and celebration. And so when Leviticus 16 comes around, it doesn't just give us a chronological play of what's happening in that particular celebration. Instead, it will introduce to us some of those necessary elements. And then it'll talk about one for a little while, and then it'll go down and talk about another one for a little while, and then it'll talk about whys and all of those things. So we're going to work our way through Leviticus 16. But I'll just go ahead and tell you, keep your Bible handy because we're not going in order tonight, all right? We're going to start there, but we're not going to finish there. I want to give you three specific truths about the atonement and especially how it fits into the cross of Christ tonight. Number one, I want you to see that God stated the prescription of atonement. God stated in this chapter the prescription of atonement, that it would not be something that the people would do on their own. It wouldn't be something that they would be left up to their imagination, that they would do because they felt like it was the wisest thing to do or the best thing to do or the easiest thing to do. Instead, God would prescribe for them how and when they were to go about celebrating God's atonement that he offered for them. So let's begin in verse number one. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord, and they died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, 
not to come at simply any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. And, and you can add in there, lest he die also. If, if Aaron were to do what his sons did, God would take out on Aaron the same punishment that he took out on those two sons. So do it, God says, the way that I prescribe that you do it. And I learned a couple of things here. Number one, I learned that his timing is more important than ours. His timing is more important than ours. Did you notice that he said... Uh, simply do not come at any time. It's simply any time. When, when, when Aaron gets good and ready, he's not to come before the Holy of Holies. He's not to come before the Ark of the Covenant. He's not to offer the sacrifice just when he decides that he needs to. Just because maybe Aaron feels guilty for the sin that he has become aware of. Not just because Aaron understands and knows that he desperately needs God's atonement. That he needs his sins covered. That's not the right time for Aaron to come. Aaron is only allowed to come when God says to come. Not just when you get good and ready. I learned that his timing is more important than ours. Number two, I learned that his technique is more important than ours. His technique is more important than ours. You see, for the sons of Aaron, we learned in verse number 1 that when they offered profane fire, in other words, they did not go about the way that God said to do it, and they didn't go about it in the time frame that God said to do it, and God struck them for doing that. Now, here's the difference at the end of verse number 2. The difference between Aaron's sons offering profane fire and Aaron doing it the way that God prescribed. God says, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. The difference is the presence of God. It is the presence of God that gives the blessing of God. It's the presence of God that provides for atonement. It's not going through the motions. It's not going through the motions in the Old Testament. It's not going through the motions in the New Testament. And it ain't going through the motions today. Not one person has ever received forgiveness of sins because they walked the aisle of a church. Because they got baptized. Because they filled out a card and got their name on a roll. Not one person has ever had their sins atoned for because of that. Not one person has ever had another human being, be it a Catholic priest or a Baptist preacher, to provide atonement for them. There's not, there's not enough Hail Marys. There's, there's not enough altar visits. There's not enough that you can do to do that on your own. It is the presence of God that makes the difference. God says, I will appear. And the atonement is sealed with God's presence in that day. So God is the one who is stating, this is the prescription. I want you to do this when I say that it's the right time to do this. And I want you to do it the way that I say to do it. In fact, I mentioned that about the when. Skip down, if you will, to verse number 29 for a moment. Look at how specific God is. 
He says, this shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who sojourns among you. I'm giving you the month and I'm giving you the date. This is when you're supposed to do it. So do it according to my timing. Do it according to my technique. It's the technique that he's about to speak more of as the verses continue. So let me give you number two. If number one is that God stated the prescription for atonement, then number two is that God selected the person of the atonement. God selected the person. The person who would go into the Holy of Holies, the person who would make the sacrifice, who would offer the blood, whom whom God would use to bring atonement to himself and to the people as well. Let's keep reading. Look, if you will, in verse number 3. It says, thus, what does that mean? That means that, God, that, that Aaron's about to do it just like God said to do it, all right? Thus, Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash And with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on, and he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. God's selecting how this is going to play out, how how Aaron is supposed to do this. So there's some things that he says about Aaron and about who he is and what his character is. So I learned this, number one. The high priest was to be a single person. And I don't mean single versus married, I mean single versus multiple. You know, in, in, in verse number one we see that Aaron's sons got together and decided we're going to do this together. If, if one is good, then two must be better. And our people are wicked. We need a lot of atonement, so we're going to have both of us go in there. God said, no. No, you're not. It's not going to be multiple people. It's going to be a single person and only one time of year. And no one is allowed to be in the tabernacle while he is there in the Holy of Holies. Look, if you will, there in verse number three and four, he says, Aaron is the one who shall come to the holy place. It's Aaron. Aaron is the person of his choosing. In verse number four, he says, he shall put this on. Skip down, if you will, to verse number 17. The Bible says there, he says, there shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he, that is the high priest, goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. Nobody else, just that one. Do you remember what got King Saul in trouble? King Saul was ready to hear from the Lord. He was ready for them to be atoned for. He was ready for the sacrifices to be made. And Samuel's nowhere to be found. And so Saul decides, well, I'm just a, I'm a 
I'm a single person. Just one. You know, surely that's going to fit the bill. If God lets Aaron do that, I'm the king. I must be far better than Aaron. And he goes in and does exactly what the sons of Aaron do, does. He, he offers profane fire before the Lord, and he suffers for it. The high priest was to be a single person, number two. The high priest was to be a selfless person. A selfless person. Do you remember Jesus talking about the Pharisees of his day? <clears throat> that they would wear those long robes and they'd have those bells on the, on the ends of it. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be, they, they wanted to be a spectacle that other people might look at them and say, boy, there goes a holy man. There goes, there goes one of God's choice servants. And they thought that it was simply their garments that would do that for them. In this case, God's not going to let his priests do that. You recall in verse number 4 that, that God says, Aaron, the high priest, you're to put on that holy linen tunic. You're to put on those linen trousers. You're to put on that linen sash. You're to make sure that you are clothed rightly. You can just imagine, right? This is a, this is a set of clothes. It's like no other clothes. There's not anything like this. They're not going to go get it off the shelf at their local market. You know, there's, there's not going to be anybody, you know, there's not going to be that embarrassing time where they show up at a party and the high priest has got on the same thing that somebody else is wearing. You know, it's not going to be like that. This is the one and only one. How much more important would it make him feel to walk down the street wearing that unique uniform? To be seen as the one, the high priest, the special one of God. And yet God's not going to allow that to happen. Look down, if you will, to verse number 23. The Bible says, Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. High priest was to be selfless. Not drawing attention to himself, but always trying to draw attention to the Lord. Not for what he had done for the people, but what God had done for the people. It was not a time for him to show off. It was a time simply for him to serve. The high priest was to be a single person. The high priest was to be a selfless person. Number three, the high priest was to be a spotless person. A spotless person. You may have noticed in verse number 4 that it says that he is to wash his body with water and then put on those clothes. In fact, you're going to see it again and again and again. Look in verse number 24. The Bible says in verse number 24, and he shall wash his body with water in a holy place. Look at verse 26. And he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. Look down to verse number 28. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. He's to be clean. A clean vessel before the Lord. Too many times we expect God to get his hands dirty by using a dirty vessel. By using a spokesman, by using a servant, 
by using someone whose life is not clean before God. God says, if you're going in to make atonement for people and for a place, then you yourself need to be clean. You need to be clean physically. You need to be clean spiritually. You need to be clean on the outside. You need to be clean on the inside. There's a better word that we might use in this. In fact, skip down, if you will, to verse number 32. Here's the word. We sang it just a while ago in one of our songs. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated. Consecrated. Set apart for the use of God. In this case, to minister as priest in his father's place. He shall make atonement. He shall put on the linen clothes, those holy garments. And then he shall make the atonements. The one who's consecrated. Joshua told that to the people. He said, today, consecrate yourselves and see what great things that God might do. What might God do through a church when the preacher's clean? What might God do through a church when the people are clean? What might God do through a church when we're finally able to get outside of our own agendas and our own things and come clean before God, clean before one another, and commit to live a consecrated, holy life? It has to make a difference. Because being dirty sure does make a difference. This high priest is to be single and selfless and spotless. See, when God says, I want you to do it according to my timing, and I want you to do it according to my technique, He also says, I want you to do it according to the person of my choosing. There'll be plenty of people along the way that will say, well, I could do that, you know. I, I could stand up there in the pulpit and rattle on like Tim does, you know. That's not the point, is it? The point is not that I can do it. The point is that God chooses whom he wants to do it. All right, let me keep going. Number three. I told you three, but I got four for you, actually. So number three, we're not there yet. Number three. God supplied the provision for the atonement. God supplied the provision. And we got to see all of those different animals that he mentioned. And he mentioned the, the two kids as, as, uh, uh, of the goats as a sin offering, a ram as the burnt offering. He also mentioned a bull for a sin offering as well. As we get into the rest of this chapter, God describes for us through Moses why he chooses those particular animals, and what their role is on the Day of Atonement. Each one of them have something different. So let me give them to you. Number one, let's talk about the bull. The bull was appointed for self, for the high priest himself. The bull was not for the people. The bull was not for the nation, not for the place. The bull was simply for the priest himself that he might be made whole and holy before the Lord. 
It's the high priest and his household who gets atoned for first. You know, I mentioned it a while ago, he's not in any position to make atonement for the people until he himself is clean before God. Let's go back up kind of where we left off there. Verse number 6. Verse number 6, we see it this way. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself to make atonement for himself and for his household. He describes that a little bit more if you skip down to verse number 11. He says, And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and he shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the wall, inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. That's for Aaron. That's for him. Before he ever does anything else for anybody else, he makes sure that he is clean. Before you begin to look at the specks that are in the eyes of others, Jesus said that you need to make sure that you take care of that bean that's in your own. It's easy to not see the beam, isn't it? It's easy to have our vision skewed. It's easy to be able to see the wrong in others. It would have been easy for Aaron to be able to say, boy, these are some sinful people. (laughs) I need a big old goat this year because of their sin. It's easy for him to see those things. But he's got to see it in himself first not ready to help anybody else until I make sure that God has helped me. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim brings us the conclusion to his message, The Day of Atonement and the Cross of Christ. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.